0: We'll, we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll test yeah. these walls. we'll see how much you know about marketing and
1: uh, i know now i'm nervous what like, do i know <laughs>
0: do, I, do i even know what i'm doing do welcome it. to the podcast mode
1: thank you for having me
0: that's good i mean i've, I've we've kind of it's been kind of a long time coming this we we said we'd do this for a while
1: yeah i think we had like this for a month on schedule yeah about
0: definitely for a month trying i mean but then trying to lock you in for actually recording was a challenge in itself because you're a busy person you know
1: yeah it was just the timing because with vanilla's release especially like pre-vanilla like Even my friends, like my physical friends that live in New York were like, hey, do you want to hang out? And I'd be like, can't, I'm editing, I'm doing formatting, I'm et cetera, et cetera. Like I would come home, you could ask my roommates, I would come home and immediately go into my room and like no one could talk to me because I had all this stuff to do. Yeah,
0: completely just hiding. I mean, just consume your life. That's what creating stuff does. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, not necessarily. So for the people listening, because I tend to be terrible at introducing people, can you tell them who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. My off? name is Mona Cabani. Um, I'm morality and horror on like Instagram and other media. Um, I'm a horror writer, specifically in psychological horror, and I've released two publications so far, one a novella and one a novel, um, working on some other things, but yeah, primarily horror stories in the psychological
0: sect. As we say, you're based out there in New York.
1: Mm-hmm. I live in New York City.
0: Are you originally from New York, or?
1: no? I was actually born in Lebanon and then moved to New Jersey, and then I lived in Miami for four years, and I hated the weather, so I ran back to the Northeast. So now That's I. That's such in a
0: New York. random interlude. Like I know, right? Lebanon, <laughs> New Jersey, but we're gonna we're gonna drop over to Miami <laughs> just for just a few years. Just... I know.
1: I literally message my friends sometimes from Florida. And I'll because I'll be looking at like media from Florida, which is like insane. Like Florida, man, is such a real thing. And I'll be like, I can't believe I lived in Miami for four years because I do not feel it. I feel very much a
0: New Yorker. Yeah, it's too warm. I I could never deal with that that temperature. I mean, it it gets too warm in in England in like the summer. And I've already thought about giving up and just moving to Alaska because I know dangerous times I but yeah I mean I I discovered you through your I think I discovered you through Instagram I
1: that's what like most
0: people do through Instagram because I, I go through stages of finding guests mm-hmm. where I'm I, d- I don't know like I become fixated on topics and every so often I'm like oh I'll find a lot, a lot of musicians and I'll see you see if we can get musicians but with you I think I came across you when I was in like a real bookstagram like drive yeah. of trying to get into that kind of thing because um, you you do as you say you do you obviously write yourself but you also mm-hmm. review on like a, a weekly basis is it? Weekly? I review
1: like two times a week sometimes it depends on my workload but sometimes even three. I read a lot. do you lot. read that much? I I don't know I get that question so much I think because I have two different books at the same time and one will be like on my phone and then the other's physical so I'm like. Like, if I'm on the subway, if I'm going to the bathroom, like, I'm constantly reading on my phone. And then, like, when I'm in the morning or sitting down, I'll read, a, like, a physical book. I don't know. I really like reading. And it's such Can a great...
0: Anything else? <laughs> I,
1: dude, I know. That's that's what I was saying about, like, you being like, oh, if you have, like, a topic you want to talk yeah. about. I'm like, I literally only, like, read and write. Like, it's, it's pathetic. But that's, like, my favorite thing to do. So that's what I'm going to do. So, I mean, yeah. That's
0: not pathetic. That's having passion. That's, yeah. You know.
1: Know. Yeah, that was a poor word for it, but... It's definitely like an obsessive, I don't know, I just really like reading. And it's also a great, like, practice, free practice, basically, for kind of honing in on my own writing,
0: Yeah, you know. I do. I think I've spoken to a few writers who say the main thing they advise new writers to do is to read more. Yeah. And just kind of dive into as many texts as possible. But diving into two books a week seems... (laughs) (laughs) The thought of it just makes me tired, like, already... (laughs)
1: Yeah. I I have like reading slumps sometimes where even yeah. I'm exhausted and I'm just like I can't focus on reading but for the most part yeah. Yeah, I do read a lot. No, I get that a lot. that reaction.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, Shelley's I mean, it's not all horror.
1: No. No. It it goes you through all range. Yeah, I'll typically have like one of the two books I'm reading is kind of in the horror realm just because for like the content on my Instagram, Mm -hmm. I like to be able to do reviews and I really only review horror books on there. But like right now I'm reading They All Died Screaming um, by Triana, which is like very uh, grungy horror. And then I'm also reading um, Queen of Shadows, which is like that YA fantasy, like young adult thing. So it's like it's very two different realms of stories that i'm in right now but
0: the the contrast between those two titles is
1: you can't you know sometimes you can't have too much horror it's just like
0: i mean that is a question can you have too much horror i think
1: Mm -hmm. it depends the type because this like Triana book i'm reading right now is like very dark and Mm -hmm. i think i was reading two of the same type of horror right now i'd be like very dark myself um i don't yeah you gotta like balance it with something i think maybe
0: I mean, I guess that's a question. I mean, do you find that it affects you, like, reading kind of those things? Because I'm a person who I consume content excessively, not mm-hmm. necessarily just books, but I never, it never carries over into my regular life. It's never, like, affected me that way.
1: I think in the moment when I'm reading, and obviously the goal of a writer is to incite, like, emotion in someone so like I will get anxiety in the moment reading and then maybe after I put the book down that carries on for like 10 minutes afterward but it's not an excessive thing sometimes if a story has a really dark ending that is very like sucker punch into your own life that could affect me for like a day or two but um I think it really depends on like the type of horror and how relatable it is to like you Mm -hmm. as an individual person
0: I was having a read because I like to do a little bit of research about people, you know, I asked to come talk for an hour because that's only the right thing to do, right? Right. Sure. Um having a read kind of like your previous interviews and, yeah. and why you choose kind of morality horror versus let's say goa horror is is kind of like a genre. Um and I thought it was really interesting that you 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 kind of made that point of the the, the horror industry does tend to be very focused on gore and blood and what it can get out with like that shock value. Whereas diving into morality stuff, people tend to shy away from. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I I thought it was kind of, I was curious if over time that's something you developed or if that's something which you've, you've always done, like always shied slightly away from that and gone more for the psychological.
1: I think throughout my life, I was very into consuming, horror movies that had a lot of gore Mm -hmm. and I did like that shock value and I liked that almost like art with prosthetics and whatnot in terms of like movie mediums. I think when I decided to write horror, I realized that like just my concept of like a literature medium like needs to include a bit more morality, um, just to incite more of a reaction in a reader and I noticed that with a lot of my reviews too people will be like this is horror but it's a different type of horror than what you're used to because it's the horror of life which is kind of my favorite type because you know like gore horror I think is comfortable because you're like I that's so distant from me is that
0: phrase <laughs> to say gore well, horror is comfortable.
1: <laughs> it kind of is because it's like you-, you don't experience something like that every day right so it's it's more so like it feels distant enough from you I would hope so yeah (laughs) it feels distant enough from you that you're you're not I guess absorbing it fully whereas horror that's a little bit more relatable to your life like if I take a concept like um struggling relationships or something right which Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have like in the past had like maybe a bad relationship or a bad you know friendship of sorts and then I add a horror aspect to that and Mm -hmm. then I kind of like twist it I think that's way more psychologically screwing with the reader than if i was just like here's some people and then like here's a bunch of blood and enjoy which so, yeah i think is comfortable <laughs> i don't
0: know i mean that's definitely the title of this podcast now <laughs> this a bunch of people here's some blood enjoy yeah. <laughs> <Featuring Exactly. money. laughs> no I, I do think that's interesting i think that uh, is an important point um especially kind of when i speak to us there's something which i tend to do within my own work like i i I do kind of abstract stuff but i tend to always try and put something which is relatable within the work i do because i feel like you have to have that connection when you visibly see something you can't it's harder to look at something and which is completely abstract and connect with it so you have to have that little that little is it the uncanny Mm Mhm. yeah level to it right
1: if that makes any sense yeah no it does for yeah. sure yeah and i think even like another nice thing about um writing and like creating uh, like characters right so you can have like a range of characters in a story and if you make them like everyday character like i base a lot of my characters off people i know like their mm-hmm. personalities and stuff which is why they seem more lifelike than if i kind of just tried to fabricate someone out of thin air right but i think different people then you give a chance for different people to have a different relationship with each character and then sometimes it can like hit home for some people that they might behave in the same way as that character and then that makes it all the more uncanny for them
0: um so yeah (laughs) your your audio has gone slightly quiet has it really bad no no like i don't know why i just kind of dropped off maybe it's just my hand
1: were you able to hear me
0: okay i'm able to hear you. it's just quiet it's just quiet. Hang on. I'll is it still quiet? Computer audio. Dragon. Hello. There we go. Okay. Okay. Maybe, cool. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's fine. I can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> just a brief interlude on on, on the podcast, sorry. Um I mean so kind of speaking on that topic, I'm I'm curious. I I did a little bit of reading about your latest book, which obviously came out recently, um, mm-hmm. called Vanilla. I believe that's right. Definitely mm-hmm. haven't got those in the wrong order because I was also looking at the bell jar thinking I'm not going to get go this the wrong way around. Uh, what yeah. is what is vanilla about?
1: So vanilla is about basically a girl who lives in a concrete room, and she it's the only thing that she remembers since she was young. She doesn't remember anything before because she was brought in basically when she was like a year old. Um, and someone who comes in and takes care of her, she calls him daddy, and he's like and like he, you know loves her as like a father figure and all of that, and takes care of her, but also tells her that the outside of the room is filled with all these creatures and like monsters that will immediately attack her if she ever leaves. So he like instills this fear in her. So then that way he can kind of keep her in the room. And then one day something happens and he has to let her go out into the world. Um, So it's about like her experience being someone that was like very happy in their small world, just this concrete room with just one person that they relied on for like love and affection and care. And then all of a sudden, that world opening up into something that horrified them for all their life and kind of discovering and trying to navigate through that.
0: Which sounds intense.
1: Yeah. And the whole like, I try to like pick kind of a moral theme for every book that I write, even if maybe sometimes they overlap between books or whatnot. So this Mm -hmm. one's kind of the difference between love and possession. And like, if you think that, someone can love you while also trying to like keep possession over you and if that's like true form of love and stuff like that so i like posing like those kind of questions
0: yeah that's interesting that you you kind of define your books by those kind of like those aspects rather than necessarily like um like a structure aspect or how you would see a character you know this, this one's all one type of character this one's all other type of character and rather just do it as like an overarching vague theme yeah well not fake because you defined it
1: right I think I think it helps me with like writing and keeping the emotion and the message consistent throughout the entire story if I have that like question posed to myself beforehand and then I like keep it in mind as I'm like structuring and writing these characters because I want to like have everything be supportive of that question so it's like a good I just like being able to be like okay I'm gonna write a story that's about this moral concept and then that way I can like string it through everything and it feels much more like structured to me. at least. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. quite a structured way of approaching work. Really.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have, you, have you always worked like that?
1: Um, I, not like when I first ever started writing. I mean, when I started writing when I was a kid and I was just like, I feel like writing a story about like a troubled girl. I don't know. So <laughs> that, but then, you know, when I got more serious and like figured out what I wanted to do with my work, when it became to publishing and actually having people purchase and read and, you know, find my stuff worthwhile,
0: mm-hmm. I like
1: thought about what I would want in a book and like the types of books that I read that I like more. And I was like, okay, I like these with moral ambiguity and whatnot. So let me structure it more like that. And then I think for me, like moral concepts come up first and then from that characters and the possible story to like show that. So it's kind of just happenstance. It's it's not so much that I was like, for sure I have to have this question first. It's just like, that's like the natural way for me to write now.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Because I know I've, I've spoken to um, other eyes. I think I uh, had uh, Dan Wilcox, a friend of mine who, who was on. He He's very formalized in how he writes. Like mm-hmm. sets himself time limits, sets you know word limits and, and really like, fully structures. Whereas I know when other artists to which I know who uh, Richard Dunn is a friend of mine. He, he just completely dives in like yeah. the story goes where it goes and figure, figure out that as you go along. And then there's a story at the end of it. So it's kind of a, you know, found like a nice balance, I guess between that, which is, it, it's interesting for, I've seen from a creative point of view to me.
1: Yeah. I think my method is like, so I'll have the question mm-hmm. and then I'll have a good idea of like the cast I want for the story. I'll know how I want it to begin. And then I'll know, how I want it to end in the sense of hitting my point home and then I just like free like go for it. Like I don't know what anything that's gonna happen in the middle. I don't know. Like I have a vague idea of the ending. I'm just like as long as this element happens so that way I drive that point home, it's okay. Um I'm not like super structured like I I do I not I cannot do outlines. Like I think anyone that does outlines has like a very genius working brain because I'm just like I don't understand how you're able to like
0: see that like insult people then i thought you would just be like anyone who does outlines is absolutely insane no no
1: (laughs) i think it's like i think it's a very like my editor spencer does outlines and i'm just like like that's so smart i don't know how you can properly plot i I, my brain is just like i don't know we're just gonna go and hope for the best yeah and it's just too different there's no wrong way at all ever to like writing or any preference of that sort it's just like a different way that the brain works and i think that like people that can do outlines are like I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I I don't think I could ever structure an outline My brain can't see that far ahead. People, people,
0: people who can plan like that are kind of a little bit a little bit scary, I find.
1: Right? A psycho.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like people who work in marketing or like accountancy. I kind of look at them like, hmm, <laughs> I don't really know what to do with you. <laughs> how, how to handle that situation. Um, but that was, kind of brings us on nicely to The topic, despite you saying you didn't have a topic, which I also found hilarious because the amount of people I ask who are creatives and just say, you get to pick the topic and automatically draw a blank. Yeah. Like, just can't do it. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I found going through your kind of Instagram, like you're saying with you marketing your new book and how you approach marketing, kind of fully get involved with it is like a a nice rounded topic because I read on your... On your, might have been an interview or it might have been on your website that you you very much approached morality horror as a brand aspect like rather than kind of like a creative like thing obviously it is a creative thing but you yeah. kind of said to yourself early on this needs to be branded yeah and I thought that was quite different to, like how most people get started with these things
1: yeah I think for me because I went to business school for college so like I guess my oh, approach wow. was just yeah my approach is just very like as a business, I mean, cause every, like technically every single author is in and of themselves, their an own business and the brand is themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So to like get someone to buy a product or invest in your work, they have to like, like you and your mission and like your overall vibe and they have to like relate with you and connect with you and whatnot. So I did approach it more like a brand. And then that way, even for myself, I could better handle the idea. It like, it felt more structured as just treating it like a brand and a business. And then that way I could think of it more like, okay, what would I do like for a business? Let me apply that to this. And it's worked out like pretty well. Um, I do feel
0: like I need to ask, why did you go to business school?
1: <laughs> I I mean, yeah, I went to, I didn't know I wanted to like write, right until literally like junior year of college. So going into high school, into college, I went to, uh, I did I marketing. How college. old would you be at that
0: point? How old would you I remember? was
1: 20,
0: 20. Okay. Sorry. I'm having to match it with the UK, like things in my head. Karen. Yeah. So
1: I'm 24 <laughs> now. So like, okay. I've really okay. only like started taking this seriously for like four years. I always liked writing. Like it was my favorite medium and reading and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess even like realizing that there was a whole realm of self publishing, I didn't, I didn't process until like senior year of college. Right. So like junior year, I was like, all right, maybe I could do like a traditional publishing um, contract let me attempt for this. I started writing vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, senior year, I did NaNoWriMo. And then through that, which is National Novel Writing Month, it's like when you write the, for anyone that doesn't know, it's when you write 50,000 words in 30 days, mm-hmm. which is a book. Um, so that opened up like a whole realm of realizing that you could do self-publishing. And then I was like, oh, wow, I can do this all like myself, instead of having to go through like, anxiety of you know querying and finding an agent which is like great for anyone who's able to do that like kudos to you I need to get on that one day but um you know being like
0: you've been doing great
1: (laughs) yeah I know that's another thing too I'm like I'm kind of enjoying this whole process so I'm like I don't know if I'd ever really I'd rather kind of like blow up and keep everything self-published and like just if I can like get a little bit bigger and like stay self-published because traditional publishing like they have marketing means that like unmatched Mm -hmm. because they have reach. Um, so it's like, if I can grasp that reach self-publish wise, I would absolutely stay in self-publishing. Um, it's just a little bit more work. Hence the whole like marketing thing of this being the topic of discussion. Cause it's, it's a lot like, you're not only a writer, you're your own business person, your own agent or your own marketer. It's crazy. Um, so yeah. So then I found like the self-publishing realm through that. And then I was like, okay, well, if I'm approaching this, cause I obviously want to sell the book one day. If I'm approaching this. How do I kind of get other people to like also be into my work and want to like eventually buy a book? Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through like Patreon and Wattpad, and then I realized that that wasn't the best way to get reach. So then I found Instagram, and it, that really just worked out super well.
0: Instagram is, I found it quite a strange one in terms of kind of getting used to it as an idea. I think, like, like with you saying, like you, you, you kind of come to a point where you suddenly realize that you. You can develop a brand which is essentially you. Like mm-hmm. your, a brand doesn't necessarily have to be detached from your personality or anything like that. People are very willing to invest in just your life, and that's that's like Instagram definitely just kind of marketed itself along those lines and, and really rushed that idea. Of yeah, coming out. Yeah. I
1: think the other nice thing, especially with Instagram, is there's such a concentrated community of different like bookstagram things so like we have the Mm -hmm. horror bookstagram community and they're all so great and like interconnected and always wanting to like support and uplift other people so it was like very easy like for once you figure out your own brand and get that to like also interact with other people in the community and kind of exchange that support and it's they're all very great about it it's not it doesn't feel like exclusive and you're trying to wedge yourself into this community that doesn't want you or what it's very like inclusive and uplifting so that's another nice thing because you know when you're like marketing and branding yourself like I think the first step in doing any sort of marketing for yourself is like realizing that it's a process of bravery because you're putting yourself out there and you're trying to convince people that you you get imposter syndrome and it's like am I good enough for anyone to even like like why do I think Like, what what kind of egoism do I have that I'm, like, here, you know, I'm this good that you should follow me and, like, buy my stuff, and you know? So that's what's really nice about that community, too, is because, you know, you're entering a realm where you're kind of shaky and nervous and you have to put yourself out there. But everyone's so supportive and encouraging that it you just – you don't feel as much fear because, you know, you can't really fuck up. (laughs) They're all just so nice.
0: (laughs) It's a strange one as well because that is – I think this is a conversation I have with most artists of – the whole idea of marketing yourself, and I, I know I, I fight it constantly. I do the most I can to not market myself. That's that's like my my be all and end all. If I can remove me from a conversation about me, I'll do it. like the best I can do. But I had a conversation recently with a couple of artists who were saying just like by being an artist, you're already you already have an ego because you're you're saying to the world on what level the world needs to pay attention to the work I create. You know, who am I to think that I can write? Who am I to think I can go out and illustrate something and do all these kinds of things, and yet, as soon as we get it out into the world, we suddenly become really insecure. yeah, <laughs> and suddenly just drop back and say, "No, I can't do that."
1: I know, and imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome, and like doubt are such a disease in creative communities. it's insane, like especially doubt like I know that a lot of writers, as even they're writing it's like you get started in an idea and you're so engrossed and obsessed with it but because you're spending such a long time creating the artwork not that it becomes boring but maybe like mundane or whatnot that you begin to like doubt yourself and you're like is this even like who who would I dare bore with this content that <laughs> I'm like you know what I'm saying so it's really like a feat of overcoming that as well yeah. like even vanilla and I mean that was a two-year project right so like imagine you know the ups and downs of just being like this is the greatest thing known to man and then being like this is absolute garbage like how dare i put this out into the world like who do i think i am right so
0: you really um, comes to the end of it and you look back and you go yeah but i can see all the mistakes like, yeah. i can see the the nights i spent and the, the characters and chapters i threw away God. to get to this end point and no, everyone's going to notice that and then really nobody's know he's going to notice that they're just going to no. read it
1: no yeah and people aren't like like you're your own biggest self-critic right so it's like people are always so, and that's what i like about the community too is all the even like the readers i'm not even talking about like the writers themselves um but just like the bookstagram reviewers and stuff they're all so like excited for these new concepts and these new writers and they're not like trying to be new york times critic of like tearing your work apart or anything they're just like deliver us a good story with good characters and show that you cared about the publishing process and they like love it so you know it's it's important to like get and I feel so bad for anyone that like doesn't put their stuff out there because of they let that doubt take over because you don't realize how even if it's just like one or two people that you're changing their life because they liked the work so much like it's worth it you know so it's really unfortunate but it's such like a struggle to fight that doubt
0: as a creative it's interesting as well like you mentioned like the, the whole idea of kind of new york times critics and and bigger critics and people who do essentially make a living destroying work like mm-hmm. that, that's all it's, it's such a strange idea that that is an industry I know that you can get paid to just belittle someone else's creation
1: i know which doesn't make sense to me ever because it's so subjective i don't understand mm-hmm. how you can like I get it. Like maybe you're a little bit more tuned to grammar and like certain character development and stuff. And like, fine. I think that those are strengths people have to develop. But in terms of like, just like general story choice and structure and messaging and stuff, I, don- I just don't understand how you can claim that a book is poor when other people might like that. Like I just, you know, some people like only gore, some people like only moralities, and some people like anything in between. Like you can't, I just don't think it's fair to like put a tag on something being good or bad just because maybe your preference isn't for that type. So like, I know when I do my reviews um, cause I love doing reviews and I love reading like different works, whether it's like indie or traditional published. Mm-hmm. Um, I never try to say a book is good or bad. I try to like present facts more. So I'll go, mm-hmm. okay, I know readers like maybe a good character development, maybe, a certain storyline, whatnot. I'll say like my preference wasn't met with this, but this is what it is. And you might have a different. So like, I don't discourage you from buying the book. I'll never discourage anyone from buying a book. Mm-hmm. I'll just present like the different facts of like, uh, you know, things that might be a turn on or a turn off and then let people make that decision.
0: Just give them the information and let them, yeah. them roll. It's, I, the thing which always fascinates me about kind of professional critics as well as I don't understand who reads them. <laughs> Because it's like you're almost looking to be convinced to why you shouldn't do something, like a film review yeah. or anything. It's like, okay, so I want to go see this film. I, sh- I should probably read what's wrong with it before I even get there. That seems to, I don't. It just seemed like imagination just disappeared from at some point from general audiences. Yeah, And we need that.
1: I think for, I don't really like ever read a review before I start a book. I think I'll read because I, I do read reviews. Mm -hmm. but I will read the book first and then afterwards I'll Mm -hmm. kind of be curious on different people's perspective. And then sometimes I'll even fight like one star reviews on certain books, like in my review. So like, I remember um, Stephen King's, the Institute I read and I reviewed and people were like one, two starring. And part of the reason why was because he like brought his political Thoughts too much into the book, and I like literally fought that notion in my review because I was like, "You, he's his, oh, he, he's a huge, like he's a person, and your yeah. art is reflective of who you are as a person." And I'm like, if you are so bothered by like three sentences where he mentions something, like you should not be rev- I don't know, not to be like someone shouldn't be reviewing, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like it's just so yeah. I'll read reviews because I want to go in with like a fresh mindset, and I don't want to be like biased one way or another because of a review so I'll only read reviews typically after I finish a book and then you know I might fight a few people but <laughs> yeah get
0: into that spirit of protecting yeah. his writers I think that there's a couple of kind of things there which sort of jump to mind that the whole idea of like Stephen King obviously's been writing forever and also is probably one of those prolific writers ever because yeah. his hands are just constantly typing apparently um so. But I I never understood how going like people look at someone who's been going for such a long bandwidth and don't expect them to change what they're doing in any way shape or form. And it it, it comes to everything, and I just, that fastest me. It's like, all right, cool. So the band you liked matured, or you know, adjusted their style slightly. Or the writer you like started writing about other things. Like, yeah, because they've been going for like twenty years. How are you? I don't know. How do you not? They're do like that?
1: Pe- people forget that like creators are evolving humans as well. Yeah. Like it's it's not. We're not just like a stagnant piece of art that's just going to repeat itself. And the thing is, is like, there's always two sides to the coin, right? So you got other, like some people that are like, why is this changing? I like the artwork the way it was. But then you'll have other people that are being like, this is getting dusty and like old and like, let's refresh it with something new. And so you're never going to please everyone. But there's definitely like two sides to that concept where some people want it to stay the same. And then some people are like, we want to go on this journey with you and we want you to change. So. I mean, in the end, like just fucking do what you want, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I can curse on this. You Can like...
0: swear all you want. I have there's there's no rules on this this podcast. The only rules I have is you you can't. Um, I always forget the word. I'm gonna say besmirch because I wrote it down earlier, but that's completely the wrong word. You can't besmirch anybody uh. without without proof. But I don't think <laughs> that's the worst word. Slander. I Slander. Like,
1: yeah.
0: There we <laughs> go. See, I'm not a wordy person. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You know, I'm gonna <laughs> say it with an image. I could have said it with an image. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't tend to tend to do everything we're very very relaxed. Like Got it. Yelling at concrete. But you did just remind me as well, with you mentioning kind of reviews and not wanting to spoil anything. I know quite a few friends who don't watch film trailers at all because of how they spoil things. But it reminded me of I'm kind of curious on what your view is on book trailers.
1: Um, do you mean like those stitched like short videos that give moods or do you mean like a synopsis or how
0: so well so every so often because i'm not i'm not hugely into tv but every so Mm -hmm. often you'll see on tv or you'll see on youtube that someone will try to advertise a book and the way they'll do it is by having stand-in actors perform like dramatic scenes from the book you know and they'll throw s- like themes over it, and there'll be a voiceover and i'm just watching it dying inside because i don't understand how someone could do that to a book <laughs> i've
1: actually seen that with only one person that i follow on instagram and that person also did um book cons and would have on top of all their books like on pretty display like a small tv that had like a consistent running of like the different um books i think i think I think it's actually a good medium I think certain people like more visual aspects and can consume like maybe a synopsis better if it's visually presented to them and then someone that maybe isn't as into reading might be more likely to buy your book because of that um I don't I don't know I haven't I don't know if I would try it myself but I know that a lot of people also like to, like, turn things into, like, visual art, like, from characters and whatnot.
0: I just, I don't know. I feel like books are a hard thing to market. They are. And that's, th- that's like, a crux of it, right? Like, it's just a hard thing to get, especially someone who doesn't read books, bringing mm-hmm. them a book to say this is a thing you should read. Yeah. How, like, is that a struggle? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think, okay, so I think in, like, terms of the whole, like, visual aspect, like, it's easier to, like, quick dose someone with a mood through, like, a visual means. So, like, I know that, like, TikTok is blowing up for writers and readers and stuff because in like 45 seconds someone can be like do you like this vibe and they'll put like a dark castle and like a pretty like just overlapping like cool imagery and then put an interesting song that kind of matches the mood Mm -hmm. and people like you can incite an emotion through that very quickly in like 30 seconds and then maybe get someone to like want to buy the book as compared to like getting someone to like read a synopsis might not always be like an in the moment sort of thing it's it's not like as quick to digest um so i do think it's like an interesting method and i'm actually like trying to figure out that whole like tiktok side right now as like a different means of marketing
0: TikTok scares um, me.
1: Like, i know it scares me too I, but scares me. Right. I, yeah it scares me too but i'm like i'd be stupid not to at least try because like the reach on it's ridiculous so i mean
0: you're you're also young enough to be on tiktok <laughs> Like, yeah, I, guess.
1: I don't know I'm, i still I'm, feel old i'm like going through this tiktok app and i'm like i like text my roommates that use it a lot and i'm just like how does this work this is a scary place like there's there's so many young people
0: I, but I mean, yeah I, I think i downloaded it at one point and i kind of flicked through and i was like and it was like back like a few years ago when it was just kind of coming out and it was dominated by like 12 year olds and but then it was dominated like by 12 year olds who were into Nicki minaj so like <laughs> I'd open it up and I didn't so have an anyone audience. to follow. So I was just getting whatever was on the front page. And I was like, I just like, I feel like I'll be arrested for having this on my phone. <laughs> like, oh God. So I'm just going to delete that and never go back. Never. That's just not for me.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I just like New York Times actually released an article recently that I've been talking with a few publishing friends about, about how like TikTok and now there's an, like, you know, bookstagram is bookstagram. Mm-hmm. TikTok has Talk. And it's like this whole set, it's like t- basically the same idea as bookstagram, just like with video means. Um, so, and that's like blowing up. So that's the only reason why I downloaded TikTok. I kind of sold my soul there. Um, okay. But yeah, through that, I don't know. It's, it's something to try. I, I'm always in- interested in like new marketing means, but I think that's like a good method, especially for a meet like a age where we're kind of all like short attention span and like Mm -hmm. we want instant gratification so it's like someone's scrolling and they see something eye-catching i might be able to catch a few more people to buy my book through that means i think though like my approach to it and what i like about instagram is i can kind of just like show myself as a person and like interact with other people and be a part of the community and support other indie authors which in turn is like very good karma for having other people support you um I think just like being, and it's that's why I'm saying it also takes a lot of courage because you have to like be able to put yourself out there and like talk to people and have an opinion on things and be not be afraid to share that opinion in a nice way. Yeah, I'm always yeah. like exuding kindness as much as I can. So, and then people, you know, get invested in you because they like who you are as an individual and they're about what your message is. And then through that, that'll translate into like book sales and people reading and reviewing and wanting to like help support you um, and word of mouth and them sharing with their friends. And it's kind of can become like exponential like that, which is a good thing. So it's just a matter Mm -hmm. of like handling yourself on a public aspect of other people watching you.
0: I'm curious now because I Mm -hmm. I don't know why my brain just went there, but we're just like that whole idea of essentially because you, you manufacture yourself kind of as semi semi semi-celebrity. Like you have to have some comfort with people being that involved within your life in order to market in that way. And all I can think is the amount of writers who've used pseudonyms and false, like false paths and, and false, you know, livelihoods or whatever to present themselves as one thing. And I'm wondering if that's even possible nowadays, or if that's more possible.
1: I think it's very possible. I think it would just require a different means, I guess, of marketing yourself. Because if you're using a pen name, I'm assuming that you also don't want your face attached to that pen name. Mm. So you would just have to find different means that would all be solely like written to get other people to invest in you. So whether that's like an email newsletter and giving people incentives of like a free short story or I don't know what, what else you could do because I haven't ventured like into that solely. Um, it would just be a different means. But the way I approach it is definitely not to like be that I'm vain, but for the sake of selling books, you kind of do have to present yourself like semi-celebrity and like mm-hmm. never like in a I'm better than you sort of way. Like for anyone that messes, like I think if you talk to anyone who messes, has talked to me before, I would hope that they would all say like I'm very like, approachable, and I I don't, like, at all think highly of myself, but I definitely do have to, like, for stories and posts and stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm giving my opinion on these reviews, right? So it's, like, I have to, in some sense, think that, like, people view me highly enough to care about my opinion on a book or how I promote a book and whatnot. So yeah, you do right. have to have that sort of mindset, and I think it's okay to have that mindset and still be, like, a very down-to-earth, like, communicative person, but you do have to, like, have some belief in yourself as being like semi-celebrity i mean you're like yeah. selling stuff that you made so it's you know yeah
0: just not not doing what i do which is where you throw it into the void and just <laughs> hope someone finds out on the way down but no i, I think that, i think that is a valuable kind of concept as well of just that if you are promoting yourself and you you're kind of branding yourself as as, as whatever you're branding yourself as you gotta you've got to maintain that open door policy in a sense Mm -hmm. like one of the reasons I kind of managed to contact you was just because you do have a fairly accessible way of contacting you you know you you reply to stories you communicate with fans and audiences and, and things like that and I thought that was not like not unusual but it was unique in terms of what people previously do you know mm-hmm. if, if you were to set yourself up as an artist as a writer the the old old adage was you know you you set yourself up you say this is me contact me mm-hmm.
1: so. yeah because th- I think of it more in like the content sphere solely like I don't think mm-hmm. of it as like me as an individual person I'm just like okay if I was a semi-celebrity right like what would get people's attention so I'll like post things from my normal life I'll like make funny jokes I'll whatever like that sort of for content wise but I'm like just as much an equal part of the community as like any other individual right so it's more so that like you have to think of yourself as a semi-celebrity solely for like all right what content should I curate that would make people interested and like Mm -hmm. celebrities are what people are interested I mean like that you know you have to be popular to like or have like popular interesting content so like I think of it from that aspect but like never myself as an individual I'm just like Fun, cool gal. Like, hit me up whenever.
0: <laughs> I just, now I'm just curious, like, because <laughs> we just talked about like the whole idea. And I'm just like, I'm wondering, like, is this you, like, off account? Are you like this, are you, or is this all fake? <laughs>
1: like, I know, right? You'll never know. Ha.
0: <laughs> you know, no, think, of this, are you wearing pastel? And is it,
1: <laughs> dude, right? Oh my God. No, you, you you can look in my closet. It's just like all black. Very me. No, I think I'm pretty authentic. I think it's just like, I chose, I choose to share more about my life that I think is interesting than other Mm -hmm. people might, just because I'm like, I want people to kind of like invest in who I am as a person. And like, I think through that, you'll get more interaction and whatnot. Um, I don't know. And it's also just like, fun to like the amount of stuff that I've just posted on my stories that are like goofy and then like other people hit me up and like we'll be like this is relatable and like talk to me and so I don't know I love communicating with people too and it's like such a fun community everyone's so nice so it's it's like a good two-way street.
0: Do you ever worry about that kind of like that affecting your work that you may like not necessarily start to pander to it but you you kind of might make things down the line which you wouldn't necessarily have made you know A couple of years before because you just weren't interested in that but your audience is interested in that
1: i don't think so because i think i'm very good at maintaining that i'll only do stuff i'm like comfortable with and that i relate to because i Mm -hmm. think that there's like a fine line between starting to cater to your audience and like losing who you are as a person and then keeping like what your interests are and then showing people why your interests are interesting um yeah, which I yeah. think is important to maintain. So, no, I don't and and no one that I've met has like ever made me feel like you should do this or do that. Um, which is another great thing. I feel like society as a whole is just becoming like way kinder to creators and that like it's a lot less pressure and it's more so, you know, do your thing and like that po- like if you're excited about what you're interested in, other people mm-hmm. will follow. Um, yeah, so,
0: yeah. yeah that's definitely i think that's definitely a thing within society like that's I, I don't think i've ever really thought about that but the the idea that society has become more accepting of niche creativity mm-hmm. in quite a major way you know like i think i don't know if you use reddit but no it's so like, it's just it's like a black hole of like random <laughs> stuff like t- the, before this podcast i was reading a whole post about there's a subreddit like dedicated to strong bones like <laughs> just having never broken a bone in your body there's a whole oh
1: subreddit um, I've, I've um, heard subreddit I mean reddit being just like an insane like if, if it exists or if the concept is there like it, it's yeah, on reddit
0: I mean, it's it's just there and it was I was just kind of reading through but I've just sort of relating to that, it's like yeah it, it is a really thing of like if you completely push your passion into something regardless of what you're interested in someone will notice that and go actually another person's really passionate like I can get on board with that
1: yeah And you're, like, exuding positivity in it. Like, you're happy. Like, that's another thing is I feel like if you lose yourself in the process or overwhelm yourself, and this Mm -hmm. is, like, a really big rule, I think, for marketing that a lot of people fall into and it messes them up, is that you overdo how much, (laughs) right? You overdo how much you're, like, you overwork yourself. And if Mm -hmm. you're not doing something that you're enjoying, you're going to burn out. So, like, for me, I picked one medium it was Instagram I was like I understand how this works I'm gonna get comfortable with it I'm gonna work it it's I'm not gonna do anything I don't like to do (laughs) um I don't like to overly promote myself I feel like I'm gonna start feeling uncomfortable and it's just like it's not gonna make me feel good so that's why I added reviews to my thing so like I'll do one review post And then one just like life catch up, like asking questions to people like, hey, what's everyone working on or reading? And then this is what I'm doing. And then another review post. That's comfortable for me. And that's fun. And because I've had fun with it, I'm a positive person and people are very receptive to that and will want to like follow you just because you're like good vibes. right? So it's like, I think what a lot of people tend to do is that they'll pick a medium they don't like and then mm-hmm. force themselves, or they'll pick too many to do at one time, and they'll just overwhelm themselves. So I think, like, in terms of self marketing, you really just have to find one method that you're comfortable and like, have fun with it. Don't do something that you don't like, because you think other people will like it, right? Like, I, I don't even pro- like, I promote myself a good amount, like my books, I mean, a good amount on my Instagram. But yeah. like, if you look, it's really only like, I'll do it like a, a couple times on my stories, especially like on the week of release and stuff. And I will obviously on the week of release, make a lot of posts about it. But afterwards I kind of go silent about it. And I'll, then I'll go back into like reviewing other people's books and talking about other things. But like, because people then follow me and see that I'm like having fun, they do the research on me themselves and they realize, Oh, you have a book. I want to buy it because yep. you're like an interactive, fun person. So I want to support. So I think, yeah, like just do what makes you happy have obviously like those marketing resources for people to be able to find that you have work out there that they can purchase but like Mm -hmm. don't you know make what you're doing miserable for yourself because you're going to burn out you're not going to have fun no one's going to want to participate
0: it's like getting a free marketing course (laughs) all right i I like the idea that you you see it as like a a positive thing and and that whole aspect of you're having fun doing it it makes it much easier to do because i do know that that is a that's a very true thing of creatives if, if you stop enjoying it 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 becomes work at that point right it just it just becomes that job and i know i was reading an article re- earlier today and i can't remember where, what it was on because i'm terrible at remember referencing source <laughs> material um but it was it was that whole idea of creators now feel so much pressure to maintain like you say like a a public profile, you know, maintain an Instagram, maintain a Twitter feed, maintain a Facebook. That they do so much of that that they just don't create. You right. know they're, t- they're too busy trying to be that brand rather than just going. Actually, well, no. Why did we start doing this in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, why? Why am I sat here typing when I'm just right. made twenty posts about nonsense? Yeah. It, it's un-
1: It's unfortunate, like how many people do fall into that hole. And I yeah. think, like, morality and horror is a brand, and I love. I've actually been loving when people like sometimes refer to me, they'll be like, it's morality and horror. And I'm like, Oh, that's like kind of cool. I don't care if you like use morality and horror, or Mona Cavani, but it's just like, nice. I don't think in my everyday postings, I'm like exuding, like, what's the topic of morality and horror today. I'm just like, you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and people get, my message because yeah, yeah. they either ask me or they like read my work or articles or reviews or whatnot. But I don't try to like every day just because, and if you're like, this is what you like, there's nothing wrong with it. But just because I just don't like every day being like, this is what I'm about and you should buy my book. And you know, I don't like that self-promotion for myself. Um, so I just, I think people underestimate how much an audience will research into you and like do mm-hmm. for you once they like you so it's like it's not a necessary thing to like every day be trying to like fill this gap that you think exists between you and your audience that they don't have that information like yeah. just do you and like that it, like if you're happy and excited about it like the rest will come
0: you you're know? a very positive person
1: i am yeah <laughs> Like,
0: no, that i'm ne- like I, I'm, I'm i'm quite a negative person but <laughs> but i come across a positive but you know, you're, you're you're just very self-motivated and, and
1: yeah for it's a nice. horror writer, I know I get that. But so that's often. the other thing. Yeah, like,
0: like... I was just thinking that the amount of horror people I meet who are positive, who are outwardly positive, who just have like a good mental balance of everything, yeah, humorous, it's like a trope now for me.
1: Yeah, I watched this um, interview and I totally agree with it. It's, I mean, every single person on the planet of the Earth, right, has like a dark mm-hmm. emotion to them that. You know, I think we all need to like vent once in a while and have like a healthy relationship with like negative emotions and dark thoughts and stuff. Everyone has them. I don't think there's anything tropey or sorry, taboo about it at all. Like it's just a, it's human existence is like that. And I think I was watching this interview. I forget. I'm bad with source material too. So don't worry. I forget who. Either of
0: us is writing a paper with (laughs) I
1: forget who the author and the interviewer was, but it's a good point and it's very true. Is that horror writers are typically happier, positive people because Mm -hmm. their job is like kind of expelling their own negative emotions in their art. So it's like a very cathartic form of therapy to like be able to pick like a storyline that you're like related to or characters that you can relate to or whatnot and then kind of mm, face those emotions and like deal with them through your art medium. And I've noticed, too, that a lot of like people that are into horror are very like happy, positive, contrary to popular belief. And I think it's just because like horror writers and horror reviewers, readers, whatever medium you consume horror in, you're just like more face to face with your dark thoughts than like Mm -hmm. others who like try to push it down. And I think you just you kind of like make peace with it in a sense through that.
0: Do You find that that tends to surprise people then.
1: I think so dude you're not the first person that's been like what
0: wait like halfway through an interview being like you're a little too happy (laughs) I I did a recent podcast which I I titled comfort in coffins and it was because I'm very comfortable with the idea of of death and I always have been and that has always confused people it's just like to me it's just like yeah it's just a thing within Mm -hmm. things you know we deal with it and but like it yeah I'm I'm kind of worrying not worrying wondering about you know has that been your experience Or just out in the wild
1: yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things that like I've just like processed because of horror and whatnot mm-hmm. that just like don't scare me anymore or don't they not scare me. I mean, things still obviously scare me, but just don't give me as much existential dread just because I've like had the time to like consume and process and like have my own catharsis with it. Whereas mm-hmm. maybe other people that don't come face to face a lot with it, like when presented kind of panic and just have. Like those emotions that they don't vent or expel or they think that they don't have them so they push them down and then you know it ends up like subconsciously coming through a different mean but yeah,
0: yeah. i can definitely see that i think that the as well as like a, to kind of ring it all together i think when you think of very from my personal experience if you think of kind of darker topics and things like horror and, and gore and all those kind of things the people who tend to be more susceptible to those topics tend to prefer when you have someone who is accessible or is kind of making an icon or a brand of themselves. And there's a line from a song and I can't remember what song it is, but just t- talks about how you, you tend to relate to people who present an image. You know, if, if someone's dresses up and they throw on makeup and go perform on a stage, you respond to that much quicker than you will just a standard band. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't really learn anything about a band, but as soon as someone's gone, no, this is the character I am. I'll respond to that. So in like there's like a subtle part of that, which is when you're on Instagram and when you you're diving into people's feeds, you very much get into that idea of like, no, if I can look at them and I know their brand and I can relate to that person, I'll be more susceptible to consume whatever they're putting out.
1: Yeah. So yeah. It's
0: just, yeah. Being angsty teenagers.
1: <laughs> I think right. <laughs> I think there's also something to say for like I think a lot of people in society are very afraid to like show their creative or like art more not mundane side of themselves Mm -hmm. just because of like fear of not fitting in or being looked at or gawked at or whatnot so i think there's something to say for like being goofy on social media and showing people that you can like kind of be a weird loser and like not like a loser but you know like just a dork and just like have fun with it and whatnot not everything has to be so like tense like I, i put like vampire things and then i'll just like talk or be stupid on stories and like people react to that and it's like fun whereas you know i i feel like we just like all have this instilled fear instilled fear of like not being accepted Mm -hmm. and i think if you like show people that side of you without fear it's like you know they can like they're very receptive to that and it's it's like it's just nice
0: i think i think it's inspiring as well i think Mm -hmm. there's i don't i don't know if you present it from that way but when i whenever i kind of post stuff and people relate to things the way i think of it is like yeah you know this is what i wanted to see when i was you know 12 13 this is this is the content which i'd have never got because it was the 90s and accessing content was impossible but you you kind of dive into that and you go yeah you know this this is you're making stuff for yourself but you're making stuff for your kind of your younger self that makes sense
1: yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think a lot about like 13 year old or 12 year old me, like looking at me now would probably be like, she's so cool. Whereas like, when I was younger, it was like, if I did try to express myself and like, wh- how I wore clothes, what I read or was into, I would always be afraid of like those around me judging me. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that that was the word I was looking for in the whole this whole spiel is like, I think we're like all very constantly afraid of like judgment. Yeah um especially from society around us it's another thing that I think society now like it's not only more accepting of those niche creators but we're like much less judgmental and about like hey if that makes you happy you do you right but like definitely when like I was 12 or whatnot it was just like this constant fear of being judged couldn't express self as much so I think if like younger me looked at myself now it would be like awe because it's just like hey you like did what I was like too afraid because I was worried about what other people were thinking about And um, I think a lot of people respond to that when you show that off in like a public aspect. And I think that's like another Mm -hmm. sense of that positivity like shining through because it's just like, don't worry about people judging you, like be happy and do what you want to do because other people will find happiness in that and will want to follow.
0: Yeah. I think as well, like when you, when we talk about kind of younger audiences is it's kind of a strange one to kind of broach, especially within like horror communities because I know people try to Shield all these kids from a lot of horror content, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's that thing of remembering that all of those things are amplified when you're much younger. You know, mm-hmm. like you, 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 it takes time to get to where either one of us is at. It's, you know, it's never something which you hit sixteen and all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually, no, I figured out life. You know, right. I, I can yeah. do whatever I want to do now. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I didn't even figure out myself until like two years ago. So it's just you know, it's still a process.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. you've ever done. Growing as like a a creator, an artist. I don't think you ever should kind of stop growing either. I think that's very much one of those things of, like we were saying at the very beginning of this. When I find when artists stagnate and when they start pandering to an audience or adjusting things based on you know what is profitable and what is there, Mm -hmm. that kind of dappers off. So when you've got something like you've built, being self-made, self-published, all those kinds of things, it's much more, it's longer Mm self-sustaining.
1: It's self-sustaining because you're not burning yourself out. I think that's like such a huge issue is that burnout. And I think people don't realize that burnout doesn't only mean overwhelming yourself with too much work. It also means forcing yourself to do something you don't like to do Mm -hmm. and that's going to burn you out like very quickly. So like write the, Mm -hmm. make the content you want and like present yourself the way you want and dress and do whatever the hell you want because in the end, like happiness is going to fuel you. So it doesn't make sense to like be miserable with what you're doing. You're not even then. You're not even going to be happy for what you're getting known for, which would be so unfortunate, you know?
0: That's such a <laughs> such a catch twenty two. <laughs> just like I've been known for this, I hate it. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: So, like, why would you why would you want to put yourself in that position? And I I'm really happy, especially in this community, to see everyone like their individual personalities like all shine through so uniquely, and it's mm-hmm. like just so wondrous to see like no one's trying to fit this mold of being like. I'm super dark and gothic and moody and I'm like the typical horror person and blah, blah. It's like, no, you can be like whoever. I mean, if you, if that's who you are too, like absolutely. Okay. But I'm just saying like in terms of like trying to fit the mold of what you think a horror writer or a horror reviewer might be like, that's, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that it's not existent at least in like that horror bookstagram community. Everyone's like, so individually unique and it's like really wondrous.
0: I do miss something from horror writers though. I'm, Cause my, my vision of horror writers is, goes way way back where it was complete theatrics and my like you know sat in a dark room with a candle and some sort of blood like just like falling down in a waterfall or something like that and i do miss that extent of horror writers because like you say you know instagram makes everything accessible so there is a level of you know this is me as a person and all these yeah. kinds of things and i, I kind of want someone to come out of nowhere with a book with no no social media preference and just be like oh yeah here's my tome <laughs> I, just...
1: I know, but but that would be full theatrics, because let me tell you, like horror writers are like people in the most mishma- mismatched colored like sweatpants and stuff, just like tweaking out, staring at their phone <laughs> and computer, like in broad daylight, like losing their mind. Like there's no none of us are like I mean maybe some, but none of us are like near a candle drinking a glass of wine because it looks like blood. It's just like, no, we're like there's a red bull besides us. We're like we can't focus we're all like losing our mind collectively like you know
0: <laughs> I just, I really want someone now who's like super gothic with like a skull goblet but it's just full of Red Bull <laughs> just, oh my god it's like oh what's in the glass that. I bet that's I'll like bad that. blood and it's like no 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 this is this is Red Bull and uh, I've got like chocolate covered coffee beans over there and my feet are yeah. in like a, a massage bath because I've I been know. sat here for 12 hours
1: <laughs> right I know yeah <laughs>
0: What we can build to. the future of morality horror is just where you get gradually more theatrical. <laughs> you right. go along,
1: but with like one element that's off. So yeah. it's just like yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't. I, this is actually kind of like a. I'm gonna get off topic because fuck it But okay. there's that whole idea of. I had a thought the other day of. Um, it's amazing what you can include in horror or like violent content or anything dark like and you can get away with it by which mm-hmm. i mean it's like so you, if you have a knife or something bloody and you throw you know a little cute cat emoji onto it somehow that still works like, yeah like, that just makes the cat emoji more threatening it doesn't make the <laughs> knife less threatening yeah and like a thing the other day is that you, you you can really with as soon as something is registered as scary or something is registered as being threatening you can just literally throw anything into it
1: and yeah it,
0: just, it never sticks
1: i know horror has i think that's like another thing is horror has such a range Hmm. and like people refuse like people outside of horror that don't consume it normally like a lot of my friends and family when i came out with the book were like i don't i don't really like horror though and i'd be like but you what do you think horror is and they're like isn't it like saw and i'm like no that's not like there's such a range of horror that like people outside of horror just don't realize and like refuse to accept and i'm like no just like read the book or try like there's i think there's a horror genre for everyone out there um i think you can't just not like horror i think that they're you just like don't realize the different all the different tiny niches about it. like there's grief horror and that's not even i doesn't even have to have like it's when it's when it's more so about like the emotion of loss okay, but there's like okay. there doesn't have to be any sort of like blood or gore or anything about it it's just like a character let's say like one version of it would be like a character dive into someone that just like had a recent loss and then kind of just like their journey like through that through like maybe like darker means than it might be like coming of age sort of story and I'm just you know not every single horror has to have blood and gore like the bell chime had I mean there was like one like nightmare escape scene but most of it was just kind of like psychological horror there's not like any blood or anything in it but people process it as horror because a it's labeled as horror, and b because like the horror of that like psychological loss is like its own version of fear itself. So like it's just there's there's a horror out there for everyone. And I'm determined to make everyone realize that.
0: <laughs> That's it's interesting because it's kind of you like we were mentioning when you mention horror to someone and they automatically go to S.A.R. Like I would mm-hmm. never class S.A.R. as like a go to horror. Mm-hmm. I don't think of it really as horror. Like as a, a thing i don't know why just mm-hmm. uh, kind of just thinking right now is like yeah to it's me like it's like comfort <laughs> it, it is it's like a, it's like a thriller but exactly. it's like it's it's horrory because it's mm-hmm. got like a little clown guy in it
1: mm-hmm. and, you
0: know missing feet but <laughs> yeah i just i don't think because like, when i think someone says horror to me i think dracula
1: right okay See. Ultimately... So, but that's because you have like a different relationship with horror and some people don't have one at all and i've just noticed that for the people that haven't had any sort of exposure to horror itself like i mean they're gonna go to like the biggest marketed gore Mm -hmm. in their mind which like is like the saws and the friday the 13s and all that and they're gonna be like it's just absolute bloodshed and i'm like yeah okay that's a version of it sure but that's not the only thing that the genre has to offer
0: no there's it's so very, much more versatile label. You can throw out anything, and yeah. I, I, I do think you can throw horror as long as you throw the horror label on something, it becomes scary. I was just trying to think of like wholesome things in my head, and all I could mm-hmm. think was like if you labeled the Brady Bunch as horror, <laughs> automatically suddenly becomes very vindictive as a show. or Like Happy yeah. Days, it's a horror show.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, and even like Dracula. A lot of people like I don't view vampire things as scary. But mm-hmm. because, like, the characters are a darker concept, it's still horror. But it's just, like, it's a pro- it's a different type of processed horror. Like, you don't have to, like, feel fear every time you're consuming horror. Sometimes it's just about, like, the aesthetic or the character or whatnot. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think there's, like, a slight misconception with people, like I said, that haven't had ever a relationship with horror. That it's just only meant to instill this immense fear of, like, your fingers being ripped off. And I'm like, that is, <laughs> that is only, like, a small percentage of the overall scape.
0: Yeah, that can happen in a romance novel,
1: like Um, right. I mean, some romance novels, you know, fucking are creepy. Like (laughs) that's like horror in and of itself. I'm sorry, but I mean, to be fair, some
0: romance novels are are creepy, and I I think if anything in the last two years I've learned is that the amount of things which people consider romantic, which are just plain disturbing. Is, is Take fifty
1: shades of grey and move it into the horror section. And but, tell me people won't be like this guy, it's like view Christian Grey as an entirely wow. different person.
0: There was that show, was it I think it's just called You?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah? I haven't then, seen it, but I know that one.
0: with the amount of people who were like coming out, like, oh no, this guy's so romantic. I wish I could be so like it's literally marketed to you as a stalker film.
1: <laughs> I know. And it's, you know, whatever, it's like a fantasy, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just like, you you don't you're not realizing what you're saying about like one genre and then romanticizing about another. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. That's like in and of itself its own version of horror. Like that's like stalker, creepy thriller horror. Like that's that's that one's supposed to make you feel anxiety. So it's just like, so you like horror. You're just not like properly realizing what that genre is, really. Which
0: explains why it's so hard to market.
1: <laughs> as it comes yeah, to I know.
0: But no, I think there's. I mean, we can we can bring this to some finishing points because mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've been chatting for a good while. <laughs> uh, but what What do you have going on future wise? Because I feel like this will be. I mean, we're in what we're we in now. March, we're in March now. March, yeah. Just just inside March of March 27. Um, but we it'll be a couple of months down the line. So you you've in your You book will have been out and about, being consumed yeah. by the lovely people on your Instagram.
1: Yeah. So for like marketing purposes i have the bell chime out which came out last september um that's a short novella psychological Mm -hmm. they're all psychological and then march 13th so this month i released vanilla um next uh i'm actually going to try to venture a little bit i've noticed that kind of the realm of writers are going into this hybrid mode of publishing that i kind of i'm very i I like and i want to try so hybrid means like you're doing both traditional and self-publishing, so you'll okay. give some like book concepts to like a traditional publisher, but you can you also retain the right and freedom to publish your own work through like Amazon KDP or whatever you need. Um, so I have two right now that I publish through Amazon KDP, so those are both self-published. Tour Nightfire, which is like a very I, I like their content a lot. Um, they're doing unagented submissions. So I'm starting to write a novella for that. And the submission deadline is, I think, June 22nd. So hopefully that is like a next step. Um, we'll see how that goes. Otherwise, I'll probably take that story idea if it doesn't get picked up and then just self-publish it. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to have something else out by the end of this year.
0: Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like solid plans. Meanwhile, I'll start writing horror, pretty <laughs> bunch of fan fiction. Perfect.
1: Oh my God, exactly. I'll read that. <laughs> Who wouldn't
0: read that? Afraid, right, you know, Brady Bunch like you just—I don't even change the story. I just add that it's a horror genre.
1: Just label and, it differently. Yeah, just
0: label it differently. Maybe like adjust the cover a little bit. I'd, I'd eat <laughs> the crap out of that.
1: Listen, there's a niche for everything. You'll get there.
0: Meanwhile, <laughs> <in> <laughs> it's been lovely to speak to you. Catch Thank you. for having you. me. Um, hopefully, you know people will go out and find your work. And I will obviously share links wherever this is posted. Um, mm-hmm people pick you up but thank you for coming to talk to me today mona thank you
1: for Um,
0: having me um, we will remind people to go do whatever they want to do and not worry about other things
1: don't burn out don't let yourself burn out there's one takeaway just like do what you you want to do do not burn out do not let yourself burn out
0: no 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 we will talk to these guys
1: later.